Hi everyone, it's Raghu Marcus from Mind Rolling, and I'm with my long, long-term buddy Ramesh Wardas Lytton. Hi, Ramesh. Hi, Raghu. So, you guys, you remember Ramesh uh, did? Uh, we did a podcast a few weeks ago. He's the co-author with Ram Das of Be Love Now and Polishing the Mirror and working on a new book, a memoir. I'm not going to pump you on that one yet, but uh, soon come, I hear. Well, don't pump me yet because it's not done. Yeah, right. Uh, so we got this call to uh, offer our two cents uh, around around mindfulness and meditation. And since that's the current cultural byword, mindfulness, everybody's into mindfulness and everybody's an expert, and we're not. But we have a bunch of years of uh, doing different practices and uh, meditation, and certainly mindfulness in the more classic sense has been part of our lives. So we're just going to throw our hat in the ring here around mindfulness. Mindfulness is a daily habit. That's what I'd like to call it, actually. Uh, so, but before we do anything, Ramesh, I have to. I used to do this thing with my old partner, David Silver. News from the end of the world. Okay, and something just happened. I read something. And I went, "This is really crazy." Okay, and this has nothing to do with our subject matter. It's about which end of the world is it from? It's from. Our end of the world, in some of the states, in the southeast in particular, they want to reintroduce puma, mountain lions, into the mm -hmm. environment. Why? Because there's like uh, far too many deer, right? So yeah, you know about that because you live out in, on, on the island, out in Long Island, and there's a ton of deer out there. And so they tend yeah, to- Yeah, a big deer fence. Yeah. They tend to jump in front of cars on the highway, though. And Yeah, they do that. Yeah. And they tend to eat your garden. Yeah. But 300 people a year get killed by deer and car accidents, okay? That's a lot. So what they're saying is, so they've done an analysis, and they found that only, <laughs> this is great, if they reintroduce the puma, it'll reduce the the death due to traffic accidents with deer all the way to, th uh, th it'll be um, like zero. There still will be 30 human deaths, but not by car accident. By what? By pumas. By pumas. <laughs> okay. So, so this is the deal. You, either 300 people you're going to get killed in car accidents or 30 get eaten. Which, which way do we want to go with this one? So there, the counts of the... Well, it's an order of magnitude, it sounds like. It's yeah. a no-brainer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, that just struck me as rather odd. Uh, and uh, an another thing, uh, I hate to bore you especially, but we, we do need to just uh, say one thing about the Be Here Now Network. It's been up one month. It's a one-month anniversary, Ramesh. And, uh, hey, congratulations. And That's good. Yeah. And so uh, and I want to thank people because they're starting to really help us out. They're starting to support either by going up and putting that Amazon link, so whatever you buy on Amazon, 
bookmark it and then it's mm-hmm. there so whatever you buy we just get a few uh, like i think two and a half three three percent maybe uh and it doesn't cost anybody who's buying anything nothing and it's a way to support us so that's happening so thank you for that and then also uh some recurring donations are happening so even just like nine bucks a month uh, because we are trying to make sure that everybody on the network, all the podcasters, the teachers from Jack, Joseph, Sharon, Krishnasan on, Lama Suryadas, they all get honorariums so that they can, it will help to support the things that they do, the teaching that they do around the country, and maybe even get them to be able to stay home a little bit more. So that's one of the purposes and missions of the Be Here Now Network. Okay, that's my commercial. Well, that that fits perfectly into the Buddhist dana uh, aspect of teaching, where you know supporting the teaching and supporting the teachers is all from the heart. Right. Well, we don't have that in America. We don't have that in the West, particularly that model, which is why we have to do these commercials. Not really. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a good thing. Yeah. Better than Spotify, probably. Yeah. Uh, no, Spotify's good, okay. <laughs> for, for, no, Spotify is good. I meant in the uh, amount that the teachers uh, get paid out of it, probably. Oh, oh right. <laughs> That's true, too. Yes. No, far better. <laughs> far better. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get into this mindfulness stuff. Um, I think that the, the first thing that before someone can start to say, okay, what is mindfulness going to do for me? What are you talking about being mindful? Now, so I think the uh, there has to be a premise. When you start to think about mindfulness, there has to be a premise that you have a vantage point or a perspective that includes uh, a reality beyond the senses and the mind, that there is something else going on. We found that out. Either we took acid or or some psychedelic, or we had an ineffable experience through a piece of music, uh, literature, of being with somebody that obviously is free uh, and is not caught within the sense world. So we had some experience that leads us to believe it's worth our while to even think of mindfulness, being aware and in the moment as possible on a day-to-day basis. Would you agree with that premise? Yeah, I mean, first, that uh, awareness is um, so much uh, a a way of exploring our own identity. And I think, you know, everyone has that need to find their true identity, their real self in some respect. Uh, you know, we're all distracted by a lot going on all the time. and uh, But that is the core of human existence. Who are we? Mm-hmm. And uh, really finding a way in and mindfulness is one of the practices that can help you to uh, quiet down and find your way in to who you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, finding that, I think, uh, you know, it's it's a lifelong search and it's not called a practice for nothing because you got to practice it to get results yeah yeah and um and i think we have to we can agree that uh consciousness 
the idea that there is a consciousness and there is a connectivity between all of us that is real. And again, how you come to that experience, it's, it happens through many different avenues for many different people. But again, having that realization that there is a consciousness that exists beyond our mind and senses that we can really so you talk about finding one's true self who you really are mm. looking at your identity i think there has to be a realization that of uh, of the reality of a consciousness and we call it all the traditions call it so many different things it can be all the way to a soul or to pure mind buddha mind but there is a something and once we accept that I think it makes far more sense to even think of embarking on a practice that includes developing awareness and so on and so forth. So I think I do think that that is a big first step in having a perspective that is uh, way different from the f first number of years in your life where you've developed an ego point and f and you're seeing the universe and your world through through a, that very, very self-centered uh, point in, in, in time and space. And so once there is a movement beyond that, then I think it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, the, I think that interconnectedness thing really happens as a corollary to uh, mindfulness practice, to doing any kind of meditation practice. Because... Mm. Uh, once you begin to explore uh, your own psyche and mind and heart, you begin to appreciate that everybody else is in the same situation. Right. So we're not different that way. And uh, while our awareness is individual, you know, given our particular karma or family situation or what we do for a living or whatever it is, uh, that awareness is something that we all share. That's what makes us human mm. or divine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a good point uh, in terms of we all share this one thing. And how many people have you encountered when you talk to them about meditation or they might say, well, what do we do just to get going here to get more conscious, to get more aware of who we truly are, to connect with that deeper part of ourselves. What do we do? And the first thing you might say is, well, meditation. How many times have people come back and said, you know, I tried that. My mind is way too hyperactive. I can't settle down. I, that's really not for me. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have said that to me. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure you who, who teach meditation you know, must run into that uh, as well. And I and I think I say to people, "Are you out of your mind? Do you think anyone's different than you?" We all have crazy run-on <laughs> minds. Everybody, it's not easy. You got to sit. It's a job. Like the, I wanted to introduce the, the Vipassana courses that we went to, mm. um, where we were taught how to become one point. That was the first thing. It wasn't. It's not even meditation. It's one-pointedness, right? It's becoming one point. Concentration. Yeah. Basic concent concentration. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, it's uh, that uh, progression that we went through in le learning Vipassana or mindfulness meditation or insight meditation is what it really translates as. Uh, you know, it was a very intentional uh, program for getting us to calm our minds down and for people to do that in uh, their ordinary lives, uh, you know, requires a discipline. But it, first of all, it requires that uh, motivation. Mm. And I think for most of us, the motivation is the uh, uh, distress and the, or the stress and the level of uh, discomfort that we experience by being dragged around by our minds and emotions and sensations all of the time. You know, it's tiring. <laughs> uh, give yourself a break. Right. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, in, in some sense, uh, meditation or any practice like that or going on a retreat is uh, giving yourself a, a, a vacation, mm, literally. Yeah. yeah. Vacating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, taking off for a while from all of that uh, whirlwind of stuff that distracts us completely. And, and when we're that distracted, we can't enjoy life. It's, uh, you know, from a centered experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's know, a dealing with our suffering, which yeah. was one of the primary things they talked about in the Buddhist meditation course. Yeah. I like the thing of motivation. You get motivated by just dragging around that anvil of a mind day-to-day, -day, reacting to everything, <laughs> judging everything. I mean, you get sick of it. I mean, there's. I, we talked at the beginning about how you have to have some kind of point of view, a vantage point, a perspective that's different than the self-centered one you've been used to your whole life. And uh, and that usually comes... What is it, Ramdas? The mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it doesn't, I guess, you know, the truth is it doesn't necessarily have to happen through an ineffable experience, through psychedelics, through music, through a, through an outside thing. It's just carrying this bullshit around with you long enough to go, I, I yeah, can't take it. Yeah, enough is enough. Yeah, really. <laughs> uh, hey, since we're talking about Vipassana, you, uh, when you first went to India, and couldn't find uh, Maharaji Nim Karoli Baba, and you and Krishna Das. Well, we did find him, but oh, you did, bailed but, out on us. Oh, he bailed out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we had seen him, and then uh, he sent us off to see some uh, crazy Baba somewhere. Uh, it, it was basically a wild goose chase, and he said, "Come back on a certain date." And we came back, and he'd left, and we didn't see him again for what two months. And, he was a little bit elusive yeah. that way. And, and, but the result was that we went to uh, Bodh Gaya and did these uh, Vipassana courses with a wonderful teacher named Goenka and uh, Manindra, who was also a, a teacher who was in the same place. And uh, they were 10-day uh, uh, meditation courses, and I think we did four of them in a row. Ouch. Um, uh, well, to, so, it was intense. You, <laughs> Yeah, I went later, so I got the picture. Uh, but yeah. okay, so you said, just tell us a little bit. You sat down there, and it wasn't like, okay, I'm totally cool and ready to do this. I have no resistance whatsoever to sitting here ten hours a day, hour after hour, eating next to nothing. And uh, I remember when I did the course, uh, 
that some of our friends used to at four o'clock in the morning or when it was four thirty or something start at five uh, would make coffee before and that was the only way possible to be able to have any awakeness talking about awareness awakeness nothing without that coffee one day for whatever reason they couldn't get the fire going or something and i no, went no uh, coffee no coffee <laughs> cry no coffee cry <laughs> okay so what was your you sat down you remember your your first moments of, of sitting well uh Goenka was uh, wonderful, and I, I think that at the beginning of it, they uh, he gave you the kind of lay of the land and said, you know, the first three days we're going to do this uh, uh, initial concentration exercise, which is called anapana, which means in breath, out breath. I think uh, it's basically just putting your mind on your breath until you can get to a point of what. Uh, they called access concentration. In other words, until you calm your mind down enough so you can begin to do something useful with the meditation practice. Mm. So that process of just uh, slowing yourself down a little bit is very helpful. And and most of the time when I meditate these days, it's often, you know, I, I may get to do 20 minutes or half an hour or something in the uh, once a day in my daily life. And, uh, the initial part of that is always that same just quieting down process to the point where uh, uh, something else can happen. Mm. And that's a lot to do with your relationship with your thoughts. You know, what what you might call the monkey mind or all of that. Uh, uh, you know, you think you've got your concentration on your breath and suddenly you've been thinking about, uh, you know, whether you took out the garbage <laughs> yeah. yesterday or not, and it's uh, your meditation's almost over because you've gone off on some long thought train that right. took you away. Yeah, but it, and it does seem, but that first initial thing that we learned in in vipassana, which is the concentration, which is the coming to one point, so that your mind is no longer pulling you away for the amounts of time that it generally does on a moment-to-moment -moment basis is is a big starting point. I mean, concentration, focus, one-pointedness, whichever word you want to use, to me is absolutely groundwork to be able to even start to think about mindfulness. How in the world, mindfulness being being completely in the moment present with whatever it is that you're doing how can that happen yeah, i mean there's various uh takes of mindfulness but i think it uh comes down to uh attention you know attention on whatever your object of meditation is whether you're uh, doing what they call sweeping in vipassana in that particular practice or um going through to some other uh, level of mind or big mind or uh, no mind. Mm. There are you know, a lot of different ways of seeing that from the various vantage points of different traditions. I mean, Buddhism itself has uh, you know, a whole rainbow of different uh, ways of looking at meditation from 
shamatha and uh, Tibetan uh, Zen meditation and Vipassana and the various uh, versions of that from uh, Thailand or Burma or India. Yeah. And now all, all of these teachers in the West are translating it for our cultural milieu, which I think is really useful most of the time. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, and they're all on this network, folks. Sharon Salzberg, <laughs> Joseph Goldstein, Sharon and uh, Jack Cornfield. Sharon and Joseph were both in those early Goenka courses, and they've been really deep, wonderful teachers over the years. So in that first and course... They've, they've worked so hard at it. Yeah. That first course, you didn't freak out at all? Mm-hmm. Sitting there meditating? No, <laughs> Yeah, we'd be sitting there and then, you know, there would be a a tea break in the afternoon when you were supposed to be on silence. But there was sort of a little place in the back of the courtyard where people would go and, you know, sneak some biscuits or (laughs) whisper to each other. Hmm. And uh, I think there were actually even a couple of Vipassana romances that blossomed out of Talk about You'd be this. sitting next to somebody, you know, uh, and all you would know about them were your fantasies. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which <laughs> you talk about the mind wandering, you know, you, uh, we were all in our early 20s mostly. So, right. And uh, active fantasy lives. <laughs> say the least. Uh, but going back to this, whoever thinks that they cannot meditate because their minds are too busy, overactive, they think too much. Okay, cancel well, that. That's in- just another one of those thoughts. Yeah, just another thought. Uh, you know. Cancel it, okay? Uh, <laughs> just exit out because it's, it has nothing to do with reality, okay? That's, a big, that's our big suggestion of the day here. Uh, but certainly there are other ways to bring the mind to one point. We we are talking about a particular Vipassana meditation, which is what we were trained in early, and uh, and using the natural breath to focus uh, and and become one point. The breath's really interesting, and that was that was the main mechanism that we used in those courses. And I think that. Uh, well, I've, I have found that the breath is uh, a very useful uh, point of reference because, first of all, if you're not breathing, uh, you're probably not alive. So that's a probably. good, you know, it's a good basic signal that you're here. And the uh, breath really connects the uh, conscious thinking process and all of that discursive mind stuff and uh, our awareness with the autonomic part of our nervous system. So it really is like uh, it's the connector. And in that way, it's very useful as a point of focus because it brings all of your life systems into one place. So it does have that ability both to uh, uh, bring you to a more peaceful place in your body and to calm your mind down. Absolutely. And I think, you know, connected to that, when I just said it's not necessarily to do this particular 
on upon this vipassana meditation of course there's a as ramesh said before there's a billion traditions and a billion different ways to work with the mind um and and one very common one and very uh, easy one in the west of course is yoga being able to just uh if if you f- would fortunately enough have a yoga teacher that's into yoga and not just exercises that would be good you know it's a good yeah. start uh but the way that you become one with the position and you stop having discursive thought is the same uh, it comes with you know it has the same results the same thing could be said about tai chi for instance or qigong they also it's the coming together as in uh, as one in whatever the posture is or or the physical movement would be so all of those things are actually uh, every anybody listening out there try one of those things if you have trouble meditating and and we we're not taking that excuse because you you think too much but it just it could be that it's easier for you to spend an hour doing something like yoga or tai chi just because body expression is very important to you uh, being just being in that kind of environment then certainly this can act in 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 a way that uh is very very uh uh, much the same as coming to one point through breath meditation. Well, we we should remember that uh, most of those um, techniques are uh, part of, uh, you know, kind of larger bodies of understanding that um, lead to uh, deeper states and that the, uh, um, what we might see is the physical part of it. And, you know, so much of yoga in the States is, um, about what you would think of as the first, uh, uh, few limbs of yoga. The yoga that Ramdas learned in, uh, India was Raja or Ashtanga yoga, which has eight limbs. And, uh, uh, first four are involved with, uh, stuff that you, do to uh, make yourself more peaceful and prepare you for meditation. And the last four are about getting into deeper states through meditation and through uh, changing your perspective on your sensory input. And, uh, you know, that first phrase in the Patanjali Yoga Sutra, uh, Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodha, which is basically translates as yoga is about the um, consciousness, chitta, and vrittis uh, are the thought waves in the mind, and nirodha is cessation. So yoga happens, your consciousness comes together when the thoughts cease. Mm. So all of that uh, activity, the asanas and pranayama, the yamas and niyamas of things to do or not do um, bring you closer to that uh, place of calming your mind. It's that uh, that images of calming the waves on the surface of a lake, so you can see down into the depths. Mm, right, and calming the mind, cessation of thoughts. Of course, these are things that would be the the basis 
from which one could start to even think about mindfulness day to day and create and and mindfulness is a daily habit as uh, I thought of that at the beginning of this as something uh, as a nice title for what we're do- what we're talking about here uh, and I think that uh, I think that when Ramdas first came back from India and started talking about he he didn't talk about mindfulness per se not in those this after the second time he did but in uh, mm-hmm. after the he talked about getting mindful by virtue of the witness i think that that uh, which would bring awareness to everything you do moment to moment but from a non-judgmental place. So that's, to me, one of the dangers of mindfulness is that it's this self-involved, self-watching, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do that, or I'm not thinking, I'm thinking too much now, I'm doing this, I'm eating too fast. Um, Developing a place where you can see your motivations, your actions, without judgment. So it's from... It's not from the mind place. It's from the intuitive, shall we say, spiritual heart place. Would you not agree mm-hmm. that th- that whole thing of Ramdas is around the witness and in po- and polishing the mirror? By the way, everybody has a lot of great stuff to be able to ground all of us or any individual reading this book to be able to come uh, to come into a mindful place. Uh, there, it's it's a real. Um, uh, action about being here now. That book is about how to be here now. Just wanted to mention that. Um, but witness, wouldn't you say that's very much part of what uh, an elemental um, perspective that one would be able to use that that uh, involves mindfulness, awareness? Yeah, and I, the witness is a subtle thing. I mean, it, there is that uh, aspect of Vipassana of having uh, the kind of mental stances of an impartial observer. Uh, The witness, I think, is a little uh, subtler in the sense that it is actually, you know, you're seeing yourself from uh, uh, another vantage point. Once you can calm your mind enough to uh, experience your heart, you know, the core of your being, then you can begin to see all of the activity of your mind and the ways your emotions and your senses carry you around from behind the screen a little bit. Hmm. You know, and that's, I think Ramdas describes it now really as another plane of consciousness. It's, it's, that pure awareness, it's that uh, soul consciousness that allows you to uh, see stuff and let it go, you know, and not get so completely sucked into everything. Yeah. And that's another object for people to get into mindfulness is uh, there's obviously letting go and not of, of reactions. I mean, that's a huge thing. Um mm. Uh, letting go of judgment, uh, and and so I I think that what um, 
you know one one of the but the very first thing before that even is the and this is something certainly to address is the vast multitasking that is going on today i mean for instance uh go to a restaurant talk about mindful eating where you first of all you're honoring the food it was grown in love it comes through love it's eaten with love. It becomes love, right? The prayer, the, somewhat of the prayer that we do from, from those India days. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's before you get the bill, of course. Yes. <laughs> then <laughs> then you're, you're putting your fork into your food. You're slowly lifting it into <laughs> your mouth, and you chew it 30 times or something, right, till it becomes liquid, and you're, you're not uh, discursively doing anything but that. Well, going to a restaurant today, forget that. You see people, they're not even talking to each other. Never mind. They're they on their phone. They can't hear each other usually. Well, they, they can't hear anything in the restaurant. First of all, it's too loud. Yeah, right. Second of all. It's crazy. But uh, fourth <laughs> of all, you've got your, uh, you know, you got your smartphone and everybody's on their smartphones and not even communicating. It's really out there, right? Never mind mindful eating. But the, the level of distraction and multitasking, uh, people really today are, um, upset about it uh, that people we're all going through changes about it because the 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 uh, I mean I'm a terrible offender myself with my iPhone and 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 work stuff and checking my email and messages are coming through and the Facebook notifications you know I got it all going because everything we do here from be here now network ramdas.org is all around centralizing and allowing people to have these platforms to share what it is we're doing this podcast is part of it right <laughs> so so it's a difficult thing you know and I think we we how do we address this multitasking uh epidemic and um and I guess your your what you said before is you get uh, after a while you get so horribly bored and uh just you just can't stand yourself anymore and you do something about it. I mean, talk about motivation. There's motivation, but is there any other framework for, for the kind of multitasking that uh, we do get into? Well, you know, the first uh, quality that they talked about of reality in the Buddhist practice is dukkha, which is suffering. And all of that multitasking that, uh, carries us away from uh, our own, you know, feeling of self into all of the uh, kind of barrage of stuff that's going on around us all the time. And, you know, it's, it's more than a distraction. It is a, a, a ultimately a, uh, a kind of existential uh, discomfort or pain. Because uh, we can't feel ourselves when we're in the midst of so much uh, stuff whirling around. So occasionally you have to slow it down and stop it so that you can come back to your uh, yourself, mm. your own identity, your own, you know, make a little time for yourself. Actually, very much like when we talk about uh, one-pointed meditation through breath or whatever you want to, mm -hmm. to use, 
and we you mentioned before you know suddenly you get you you figure out you've been gone for about 10 minutes on some tangent yeah. of your life right <laughs> and you hope to get it so it's not 10 minutes but you know ten, it'll happen depending on you know you're tired or this that or the other it'll happen all the time and as uh, our our dear friend Sharon says the beauty in all of it is you can come back to the yeah. point of attention and in the same way, I th- so this is uh, Sartori here, because in the same, what you just said, in the same way, you realize you get so lost in this overstimulated, multitasking universe that we are all in, that in that moment, you remember and just come yeah. back to, come back to what? You know, come back just to a breath. Or even say to the person you're with, "Hey, let's just let's just hang out here for a second, okay? Without our phones, you know, let's just have a moment, uh, a moment of silence, dearly beloved. We don't have to go that far, but a moment <laughs> <laughs> that we can just take a breath into. Or and if you're on your own and you're you're at work and you've gotten a million calls." Yeah, you can't even think straight on on what the, the next meeting is. I had a guy who said to me uh, the other day, uh, uh, "Okay, I have thirty five seconds to talk to you before my next meeting." I'm going, <laughs> "Okay, thirty five <laughs> seconds. All right." I'm trying to think, what can I possibly fit in in thirty five seconds? There's five seconds just thinking about it. So that's that's it's it's crazy. And I guess well, the gift the gift in that though the the grace is seeing how the mind works and the ways that it takes you away from being in the moment and just being here, being you know being yourself. And uh, I think that uh, teaching it is a teaching that we see how our minds uh, pull us away. Yeah. Because when you come into the moment, it's uh, uh, quiet, it's loving, it's uh, insightful. You can begin to perceive what's actually happening to you. And uh, it's home, you know, it's kind of back mm. home in the heart. Mm. And we need that. Yeah. You know, we need to experience that from time to time. Otherwise, that craziness does make us crazy and uh, it's suffering yeah. you know it's a kind of suffering and it's a kind of suffering that unfortunately um leads one to affect people around us in a ways that in ways that we don't want to do and certainly uh judge, judging people i mean because we are on just absolute have no center when we lose uh that spaciousness and uh, we are just one after another judging people. And if we're not doing that, and, and we're at work, say, and we're getting angry about something, and then we're actually sending vibrations to somebody else that is just increasing their caughtness, uh, or and yours, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. finding that, so coming back, just as we do in meditation, coming back and remembering, oh, okay, I can come back. I can just be here in a moment. 
then some some of the problems that you engage with around work that may not be possible just because of the environment that you're in. So it's it's almost okay. Can I take a a, a short walk? Can I go outside and just walk around the block? Literally, there are things that everyone can do that can stop your world in a moment. You know this. Uh, we have this uh, new smartphone app that we're putting out called the heart mind app it's mm. going to come out soon we've been working on it for a long time so people are really expectant about it but it is coming out here uh in the next uh, uh eight weeks and um so one of the things i thought of i thought just as we're talking right now what are the things that i would like to have that a sudden that use the technology to wake up to stop the world for a moment. So we thought of, uh, of course, we have little meditations, timers, all of that you can have as a push notification, you know, comes on your phone. Oh, time to take a little break now. And, uh, you know, we're going to have little uh, reminders like be here and that Ramdas going be here now, be here now. <laughs> right. All of those cute kind of things using the technology. But it's a way to use the technology to defeat this multitasking and this completely out of control, um, sucked into ness uh, of of everything that's available to us, to entertain us, to distract us, to and, and it's all in the name of uh, we're advancing what it is that we're doing through our work and so on, and yet it's uh, it people are suffering, as you said. and uh, Well, I think it's a fun idea to use the technology to defeat itself. But, uh, um, you know, as Gurdjieff says, that thing about, uh, you know, the alarm clock will wake you up for a while, but after a while you'll just start sleeping through it. Yeah. So the, the external stuff is going to keep on going, and you uh, ultimately have to attend to your uh, – the experiencer of it all, which is you, you know, all of the experience, you can't defeat the experiences, all that stuff going on around you. Um, but you can work on yourself to mm. uh, quiet down inside. So it doesn't have the same hold on you and doesn't keep, uh, you know, uh, um, inducing so much stress and, uh, you know, all of those corollary health effects and also keeping you from uh, knowing yourself and others on the level that you'd like to. We're back to practice then, aren't we? Practice, practice, well, practice. I mean... It's not, you know, I, th I think it can happen in a moment, you know. It's not like, you know, you've got to maintain a... Uh, meditation practice uh, twice a day forever. I, just coming back to your breath in a moment of waking up and, you know, in between in the 35 seconds you have between calls. Mm. You know, that can uh, be helpful and you can find the ways that work for you. And I think, you know, there's so many different uh propensities that we all have, uh, you know, my uh, 
wife, the yoga teacher, really gets into it through her body and pranayama and the, the uh, ways that she uses that to slow herself down. And uh, that's as good as anything else. And uh, whatever works for you is the important thing, whether it's mantra or breathing or music or uh, just taking a walk. All that stuff is good. Walking meditation, you, you know, using your... Uh, the lifting, putting, placing of your walking as an object of meditation works pretty well, too. Yeah. That's a good one, by the way, everybody out there. When you do take that walk outside your building where you work, just slowly focus on lifting your foot and pushing it forward and placing it on the ground. And you can say that in your mind. Lifting, pushing, place however you want to do it, and just mm. naming it, and then you know, and do that very. You, you'll look rather odd walking down the street. Hopefully, no <laughs> one will mug you or anything. But you know, uh, <laughs> but it, but it's okay. You're talking about still. We're talking about practice. Doing that, I don't care mm -hmm. what you're doing. It probably well, needs to I, be done. The way of is, is is leverage. You know, finding a point of leverage on your uh, experience so that you can uh, um, detach from it a little bit. So you can get that other perspective. Um, and that, that might be a, a more useful way of expecting, expressing uh, practice. I mean, this isn't like... Uh, you know, there is some element of uh, muscle memory uh, and, you know, mental habit in doing this stuff. But, um, you know, once you start, it will carry you. You don't have to. Uh, uh, it's not like, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to get a degree in meditation. I'm going to be a professional meditator when I grow up. It's not about that. Yeah. But the right effort, the Buddhists talk about, right mm -hmm. effort. There is an effort, but you, you're just going to become, you know, as miserable as possible, right? You know, it's just, that's what's <laughs> going to drive you, right? It's just, there's no other way. And when you have that motivation. Well, it's one of those experiences that you were talking about at the beginning of like uh, seeing yourself from another point of view and realizing that, you know, your thoughts and sensory experiences are not the whole ball of wax. Yeah. And that gives you that motivation because that place is uh, either blissful or loving or an insightful view of yourself that uh, you want more of. Mm. That desire for uh, completion that we all have. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Got to pay attention to it. Yeah. Mindfulness. Pay attention. Become aware. Become one pointed. Less discursive. Less judgmental. Less less emotional reactivity. And I wanted to just say because anger is is certainly something I've had to deal with, talk about all the time. And yeah. I would say absolutely, uh, and and we've we've talked about. I think we've you know, we've talked about different uh, potential um, 
antidotes to some of this mind stuff and being caught. And certainly the breath has to be, to me, one of the number one ways in the moment to become mindful is to stop and just breathe into the center of your chest three times, three real breaths, and just focus in that area. And then from there, you can see your mind do its thing and then take another three breaths if it is still if the emotion is still powerful and the mind is is uh, still grabbing at you i think and i I, i'm pretty sure you'd agree with me that that's our first line of offense uh to Mm -hmm. uh, come out of really really terrible situations of fear anger in particular yeah and, but I think as you, uh, you know, struggle with these things, and it's certainly, uh, you know, it, it, it's work to get behind that stuff. Um, and, and you see the way that um, you have to catch those uh, things earlier so your uh, emotion uh, doesn't carry you away. Uh, anger in particular. I mean, I, I remember... Uh, asking Sidi Ma at one point, and she said, uh, once the fire starts, it's going to burn itself out. So you got to get, you know, before you incinerate the people around <laughs> you, uh, you got to get at that emotional place as you see it coming up when it's, you know, still like, uh, oh, minor irritation, you know, oh, uh, this person really is rubbing me the wrong way. Um, maybe I should, you know, just take a breath and uh, look at myself in this situation. Because anger is always related to something not being the way you want it to be, or somebody doing something that is, you know, not what you want them to do. Yeah. So that uh, piece of it. Uh, is workable, but you got to catch it as it's coming up, which means your level of attention to what's going on with yourself has to increase. Yeah. And by the and way, that's, you know, it's, that's practice. Yeah. And that's again, practice, which I like <laughs> that word practice. But the other, re- the other point is, I mean, you say, you know, as you start to feel this emotion build, then you need to cut it off at the pass and take those breaths. A lot of times, of course... Well, cut it off is not good. Right? Cut what? it off it doesn't work. I mean, trying okay. to cut it off doesn't work. No, trying okay, to, the cut uh, it off isn't the right word. But no. uh, shall we say, uh, attend to it sooner than later by... Mm-hmm. Taking a breath. I mean, that's more of what's real. But most of the yeah, time... dealing with it before it becomes a destructive emotion yes. and, uh, yeah. you know, creates a karmic uh, situation yeah. that will cause you to take birth ten more times. Yeah, <laughs> or ten thousand more times, more likely. <laughs> uh, but But the truth is, when these things happen usually get blown right out of the water. I mean, I know that if, I mean, I can tell that I, I start to gather steam and there's a place in us that doesn't even want to let go. We're so used to that emotion. It kind of feels good, actually. You know, it's really fucked up. I mean, it really is. Sure, it's, it's self-righteousness. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, the ego level. 
So it's self-justify. Yeah. So it blows up. And then the whole thing blows up with whoever you're getting into it with. And then a couple of minutes go by and you go, oh, my God, I cannot believe that I did that. I lost it like that. <laughs> and you go on about a half an hour of recrimination and judgment. There's another place where you can stop at the pass, okay? Or we can at least get at it a little bit earlier so that we can realize, and that's the core to me of mindfulness, is that awareness mm -hmm. of what you are doing, what your motivation, what your reaction is, what your judgment is with your, start with yourself, never mind everybody else around, is to bring a mindfulness to just relax into a moment where you're not killing yourself and judging yourself and hating yourself. If that to me is, is a primary purpose of mindfulness, all right? Not to be a better stockbroker so you can make more money because you're more focused and you're in the moment. It's to really, uh, well, to, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But I think this goes, well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, people do start, uh, mindfulness practice as uh, a way of uh, in enhancing their uh, life, you know, whether it's stress reduction or uh, concentration so that you can do better in your work or whatever. But the, the interesting part of that is that once you begin practicing like that, it takes you inside. So the practice itself is in, uh, in its essence carries you. And all you, you know, I, I love that analogy that KD Krishnadas has of you get on the train and you may be running as fast as you can to the, toward the rear of the train, but the train is still going to the next station. Mm. And the same with, uh, you know, any kind of spiritual path or spiritual practice. Once you have really embarked on that, it carries you. And uh, you can, the more you can allow that to happen. And even if you start it, you know, because, uh, you know, you, you want some part of your life to be better, uh, that will still have those uh, benefits. It's a beginning of taking you into yourself. Mindfulness so can be... you can't lose. Yeah. Mindfulness <laughs> can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Even though you may start it out with other things in mind, it certainly has its own action and uh, results uh, within it. If you come at it from uh, a sincere base, uh, you know, a sincere point of view, um, we're, we're uh, I must say, uh, we're at the end of our, our show podcast here. Uh, there's one book, I don't know if you have it, and I've done a couple of podcasts with him, which is Joseph, Joseph Goldstein. And Joseph wrote a, mm. a, a very large book, Mindfulness, based on the Buddhist uh, text um, that is so fantastic. I refer to it all the time. I've made a lot of, I have notes upon wow. notes in this book. Um, I don't know if you if you've seen it if you've come across. I must have shown it to you when we. I have it, but I, you know, quite honestly, I haven't read it yet, so yeah. I will. Yes, you better read <laughs> that. I, I love Joseph, and I've sat with him, you know, over the years. And uh, if it's any uh, reflection of his being and his wisdom as a teacher, it must be 
profoundly useful. Yeah, because it's very practical, and that's what everybody wants. That's you know this uh, the people. Uh, our friends from uh, MindPod Network actually asked us to put uh, Noah and Brandon to put this together. Uh, whether this will be useful or not, we'll see. But basically, uh, to to really come at it from as many practical points of view about what mindfulness really means, what kind of perspective you can have about it uh, that that can help change your life and uh, the, the the different. Uh, uh, actual practices of it that people can do on a day-to-day basis without joining anything. You do not have to join a Buddhist temple, a Hindu thing, nothing. Okay, You can sit there and work with your breath. You can sit there and bring awareness and the witness into your life so that you can see your motivations. You can have a curiosity about who you really are. Who are we? Uh, you, by the way, you have this other great, uh, we'll have to do this another time, but Ramesh came a, 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 across a, an article that, what are we talking about? Who is that little guy in there that that's, <laughs> the whole world is referring to? Uh, it's called consciousness, the mind messing with the mind. That's a, I, I read that, by the way. It's a fascinating article. We'll have to get into that next time. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I mean, they've been trying to define consciousness for all yeah. these uh, yeah, exactly. And the science can't quite grab it. Yeah, and but uh, I think your statement at the beginning of this uh, podcast about it's natural for us as humans to want to do self inquiry to find out who are we, who are we really deep down inside, and 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 beyond that, who are we. That, and who are we in, in connection with each other? So I think yeah. I think those are two basic foundations for uh, motivations for doing mindfulness. So that's it. This is uh, the Be Here Now Network and Mind Rolling. And that's uh, I'm happy to have you aboard, Ramesh, as usual. Thanks, Raghu. This is fun. Yeah. So, uh, everybody tune in next week and go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and whatever you can do to uh, support and look at all the other podcasts and see we've got some wonderful stuff going on there. Teacher Spotlights. uh, By the way, the Teacher Spotlight includes uh, Love Everyone This Week, which is all about uh, Journey to the East that many of us made back then. So, that's that's a fun thing to check out. Only one of the many... See you next week. Bye-bye.